Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass brought to you by Manscaped. I'm Haydar Abani and I'm joined by my co-host as ever, Rob Blanchett. Rob, Manchester United have smashed bitter rivals Leeds United 6-2 in a massive derby. What an incredible result. Some fantastic goals scored. Welcome back. What did you make of today's performance? Well, I'm happy with six. I'll take that every week. And obviously Leeds United came to attack. We all knew what they would do. They played their game plan to the T and they shipped six goals and we won the game. And that was exactly kind of how I thought it might go. I did think there'd be goals today because Leeds don't defend, you know, and in the Premier League, you will get found out. So I'm obviously pleased that United put a game plan together. I think Ole's strategy was really, really good. I think the 4-2-3-1 and the positional tweaks worked. I thought Dan James was excellent today and I thought Luke Shaw did his job on that left side. There were some real kind of tactical masterclass bits going on there. But Bielsa is a great coach. Everyone knows how great he is, but his formation and his tactics can be attacked and can be deconstructed. Ole did that today. They deserve the win. Absolutely. I think he got spot on. I think Oli. This game, when I came into it, I was looking at it, I thought Leeds have areas to the game which can really hurt United and vice versa. United can really pick off Leeds. And I think United did it fantastically well today. Rob, we're going to start off with the formation. So I'm just going to get the screen up here. For guys that are listening on audio, we're using um, who scored and we're going to be putting up the formation. So Rob, talk to me about the formation and your thoughts with the setup. 
Well, it's a formation that we've seen Ole do many, many times for 2 3 1. Lots of United fans were very upset with it when it came out, and people were saying it was cowardly and this isn't how Manchester United should be setting up against any team in the Premier League. It was exactly the way United should have set up because it allowed them to counter attack. But the two key points of this formation this week were the addition of Dan James in his lightning pace on the right hand side. He's been training really well, he deserved his chance, that's why he was brought in. But also Luke Shaw playing on the left side of that four was allowed to really bomb forward and push in his own kind of press on that right-hand side, stopping leads in their tracks when they were trying to get wide. So just those two little tweaks to a normal 4-2-3-1 was all it really needed to nullify leads. And, you know, again, we saw today Leeds had plenty of shots. You know, they could have had more than two goals. We all know that. You know, I think United in the second half rode their luck at times. But I think Ole got the tactics absolutely spot on today. Front four did their jobs. United were fluid, you know, from Scott McTominay, I think maybe had maybe his best ever Man United match, potentially. Not just because of his goals, but with the way that he was combative and ran the midfield and was coming from deep and adding as an extra runner into the box. Overall, it was just really, really good from United. And of course, when you score six goals, we can pick the holes tactically and say one or two, three, three things that we're not happy with or, you know, what could have been better. But United scored six. They're near the top of the table. It was a good day for Manchester United in a really, really big derby match. Yeah, for sure. Something that really impressed me, Rob, was actually this unselfish running by Dan James and Rashford. Dan James is definitely someone who splits opinion. And when I saw him in the team, I thought this is actually the right sort of approach because you need someone to run in behind. And what Dan James did really well, and Rashford was the same. Rashford didn't get a goal or an assist today, but he worked really, really hard. I thought they were doing a lot of the unselfish work. And that's the difference, isn't it, between, you know, some maybe some fans get confused. They say, oh, we need these ball players, but you need people that are going to run and do the hard work and create space for the others. And that's what the front three, I thought, did fantastically well today. Yeah, I just think the whole kind of fluidity of it was was good. And the whole point of it was, was that Leeds leave a lot of space behind the midfield. So they effectively play a kind of 4-1-4-1 formation, which allows them to raid and allows them to press. And if you dilly-dally on the ball and keep the ball too long, and we know that Manchester United's backline don't like to do that anyway because they're not great on the ball, then you can get hurt by giving it away. And obviously the second goal was that, you know, De Gea gets the ball. He only really needs to pick it up because it wasn't a, a back pass or anything. And he kind of clips it towards the left wing position, gives the ball away, one pass, leads are in, and suddenly it's their second goal. Thankfully on the day, even with the chances that Leeds had, Manchester United were dominant in terms of being the more effective side with their strategy. Like I think overall Leeds still had maybe close to 60% possession for the whole match, which I think they had in both halves of the game. But overall, the game is about winning. You know, it's about it's about scoring goals. And if you score six and you can kind of taper the opposition to the way that Manchester United did today, then you're going to pick up three points. And it was a strange game because I don't think this game really represents football as a whole. Like they were waxing lyrical on the TV about how great it was and how it's making, you know, in these terrible times during a pandemic, that makes you feel better. And the entertainment value was fantastic. It was entertaining, but this wasn't really a, a real football match. This was more like a training session. Leeds play man-to-man marking in all situations. They like that. It means that they can get away from their markers when they've got the ball and they go tight when they haven't. But it also means that they leave lots of space in and around the pitch. And tactically, if you're a good coach, you can exploit that. 
Many people say that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not a good coach and that he doesn't have tactics. And again today, we saw against a very good manager in Bielsa that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does indeed have tactics. Absolutely, Rob. I'm going to read out some comments now. So we've got one here. Obviously, brilliant game by from McTominay, but thought Fred and De Gea were also fantastic. Have to think the competition for places in certain positions is helping immensely. That's a really key point, isn't it, Rob? That you're seeing a lot of players who are improving because they know that there's quality that's come in. I just had to think Luke Shaw, someone that's improved of late as soon as Telus has come in. I think Martial had a really good game. We'll touch on him a little bit later. Cavani coming in and his form not being or, or him not scoring enough goals is definitely something which has put a bit of pressure on him. And uh, I think this is in regards to Dan James. He was amazing today. Those runs in the box were expected by Lees and it showed absolutely. I'm going to read out this comment as well, Rob, and let's talk about this a little bit about perhaps Bielsa being naive with his midfield setup. So something about Leeds United that we all know is that they have that set style, they have that philosophy and they're going to stick to it. And while it can be beautiful at times, it's so rigid and it can be exploited. And I think what United did fantastically well today was that United exploited the spaces in midfield. And the amount of times we saw McTominay making those runs, um, you know, when Leeds do that man-to-man marking, so there was always one man free. And the way that he drove with you know, that directness, he was he was very good on the ball today. It's a McTominay that I haven't seen much. I mean, I, when I look at McTominay, I think he's probably more of a defensive-minded player, but he was a striker, wasn't he, when he was going coming up through the academy before his um, you know, before his massive growth spurt. But um, what really impressed you about McTominay today and what did he do well, which uh, which we haven't seen in a while from him? I think what he did well today was that even though he was playing effectively in the double pivot, and we talk about the double pivot a lot, he had the the license to get forward today. So with his two goals, obviously, he was seriously motivated, getting on the front foot, getting into positions where he could actually put the ball in the back of the net, and he did really well in that. But more than that, it's about being able to be combative, but be a box-to-box player. Now, the comment there said, you know, is Bielsa naive? One thing Bielsa isn't is naive. He's a he's a well-schooled coach, been all around the world, one of the top coaches of his generation. Everyone knows about what he can do tactically. But what he does do is that he just doesn't care what the opponent does. And that's not normal in modern football. You know, Pep does that. Pep doesn't really care. Uh, Klopp does that. Uh, I think Hassan all tends to do that. But generally, coaches in the Premier League and all, all the way across Europe have systems to fight different opponents and different problems. So that's what Ole did today. Ole went to a system that he knows, but he tweaked it quite significantly by bringing in two players to, to do certain roles in there and bringing in Dan James to be a runner. And and one of the things uh, they actually said on the TV was that Frank Lampard, when he talked about Leeds recently, said that, you know, you have to outrun them. And United today on a par up to about the 85th minute, we're, we're almost on par, about 91 kilometres each per team. So that was great because if you can outrun Leeds, then they will give you space. And that's what happened today. You know, this is exactly unfolded in the way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have seen it in his mind. And certainly the way that I saw it as well before the game, when I saw the 4-2-3-1, I wasn't very surprised about that. And I thought United would play hit and counter-attack. They did that. They did it really effectively. I think Martial played well as the the number nine today. You know, we've talked about him a lot. Um, But he didn't take his chances, which I think was disappointing. You know, he had chances today to, to, to score goals and I thought looked a bit soft finishing and I'm always backing him up but when you score six it doesn't really matter if your number nine doesn't get 
the goal that you want or the golden finish because other players are actually doing it for you. It's about the attack as a whole. And the front four worked really well to stay ticked over and, and it looked dangerous for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to talk about the intense start, Rob, because United have been very poor in that respect. One win in six at Old Trafford this season as well. There was a little bit of nervousness going into it, but United, finally, that intensity came. We saw that we started explosively, two goals in three minutes, two fantastic goals as well. United exploiting Leeds' space that are leaving you know, in the midfield. What was different today from United, do you think, in terms of the start? Because what we've seen a lot is that we start a little bit slower, but United were right at the races and we've, we can we can blow teams away. We've shown that. We can come up against a side who will attack us, but we can we have the firepower to score two or three very early. But what I liked is that we didn't settle on one or two goals in the first half. We went for that, you know, that three or four into half time. So what did you see differently from United in the start today? Well, Ole joked before the game that he was going to pop a balloon or something in the dressing room to get to get wake the guys up and make sure that they went out there and did their jobs. Uh, you could see the difference in terms of that opening spell to say how United played all season long. And that was that they knew that if they did sit back, Leeds were going to hurt them really early on. So what did they have to do? They had to just play counter straight away because Leeds were going to leave the space. Leeds were going to vacate. And it meant that you could get in behind them and you could hurt them and you could score goals. And it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you have plenty of counter-attacks. You don't actually put the ball in the net. So credit to United for actually scoring the goals and actually getting into a good position. But even at 4-1, it felt, you know, that there was a game on still, which is weird. You know, it's not normal in the Premier League. If you, if you score four goals, the game is dead. You think it's over. But this Leeds United team doesn't stop. It keeps going. And I wasn't surprised with the the, the change from Bielsa at half time. It just meant that he didn't really have a defensive midfielder. He could go forward a little bit more, a bit more from the wing as well. And Leeds actually dealt with United, I think, quite well in the second half. However, they're just the kind of team that's going to leave lots of space. And Leeds will live and die by this philosophy. They'll either end up eighth this season and everyone will go, wow, weren't they great? Or they'll get relegated and everyone will think, wow, they're just completely crazy and it's not real. They shouldn't be doing this. And Bielsa will get sacked and Bielsa goes to another club and do exactly what he's done at Leeds United and build through that way through his system and the way that he likes to play football. But, but overall from United, no, I just think as well that it's the kind of game where United could have ended up being rabbit in the headlights. They could have got to a point in the match where where Leeds were just overroaring them in certain positions. But the key for me, as I said, was was also that Luke Shaw position of playing left back, but really effectively as a left wing back today. So he wasn't progressing on in, in terms of getting crosses into the box or anything like that, but he was playing so high up against his marker that it just killed all that opportunity to exploit the space behind him. And it meant that United could play with three across the back a little bit. They shuffled across. And that little tactical change, that little, you know, nuance, as I always say every week, that allowed United to keep control of the match, even though Leeds had plenty of possession and plenty of chances to score goals. Yeah, that's that's a tweak that we've wanted to be seeing for a while, haven't we, Robert, fullback? Because we haven't quite got the balance right. If you look at when Tellez has played as well, we've wanted to see Tellez be a lot more progressive going forward and we want to see more of that attacking instinct and quality, but it hasn't quite been right. So Oli did a fantastic job to to get something to work with the fullbacks. Because for me, the fullbacks are still a little bit of an issue. I think going forward, perhaps they're not, not the strongest, but in defence, I think as well, there have been a few issues. But today, I thought we were pretty comfortable. There's a fantastic stat here from one of the listeners, which I'm going to read out, which is, this was an absolute masterclass from Oli, in my opinion. He's just set a footballing clinic on how to beat this Leeds United team. 
a Bielsa team last conceded six in 1994 in the Argentine League, which is a lovely little stat. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, it was Gerald who's given that stat. But I think maybe this is me being a little bit cynical. A lot of the media won't give United the credit they deserve, Rob, for this. A lot of the media, if this was a Frank Lampard side, they'd be saying, what an absolute masterclass. I feel like this United side is going under the radar a little bit. They're putting runs together. That's now six wins and seven in the league. That's uh, seven unbeaten as well. We've won at home very convincingly. Slowly but surely, Oli's getting things right. We're moving in the right direction. We're building momentum. It's great to see, isn't it? It is, but media credit doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, points do. Winning points, winning games week after week. One of the things I tweeted out at half time about how United needed to conclude the match was that he needed to put the foot in the ball, which they didn't really do in the end. Like the times they did try and do it, they did play with a bit more of a lower block. They did try and pass the ball sideways a little bit more. But good teams snuff these games out. So when you're 4 1 up at half time, the game is effectively over. You know, it doesn't matter what the opponent does in the second half, you're going to bore them to death, as I called it on Twitter. And that's really what. Football tactics, when you're talking about how do you um, see games out when you're in a winning position in, in the chess match, as I always talk about, that's what you do. You just play a little bit more defensively. You, you take the pace out of the game. You take the threat out of the game. And yeah, you might go and score another goal or you might win it 5-1 or whatever. The most important thing is winning it. So United today, 6-2. No one's going to complain when United scored six goals. None of us, we should be here on the masterclass saying, well, you know, maybe United should have tightened up this or done that or did the other Ultimately, you've scored six, and that's fantastic. And everyone will be really, really pleased with that. Um, Leeds are not our normal opponents. You won't probably play another Leeds United until we get to Ellen Road. We won't see a team that will allow us that kind of space. And it's very much the opposite to how teams, maybe in mid table and below, set up against us. You know, they will set up with a lower block and they will try and stop us playing that counter attack football. Whereas Leeds today just didn't bother doing any of that. It's just not their style. It's not their way. They came up playing football like this. And if they go down, they'll go down playing football like this. But it was good to see United see the job through over the 90 minutes. There's plenty of, you know, good performances in there. You know, I thought the back four was okay. Even though in the second half, there was points where I was kind of biting my lip. I think Fred started well, but maybe declined through the match. I thought Rashford had a good game today. We talked about obviously Martial and his, uh, his function of getting a few assists today. Cavani was a bit of running there at the end. Bruno did well. And I think also it's good to see some minutes, 20 minutes for Van der Beek. So there's big wins for Ole, tick box exercises today, where he will feel that maybe his team took the responsibility of the task today and actually saw the job through. Because that's what United have failed at in previous weeks, is when there's a job to do, they've just kind of shied away from it and maybe left themselves open. And today they didn't really do that. They kept control and they kept control by scoring goals let's dig into that um not holding on to ball i agree with you in the second half i think what we struggled to do and we've seen this a lot in the past we, you know perhaps we'll go up a few goals and then we might concede a few because we don't have someone essentially in the middle of the park that can say right i'm going to get my foot on the ball and i'm going to dictate the tempo of the game and that's something which united do need to do going forward but you look at the statistics rob i mean we had 41 percent possession at home which says it all to their 59 percent uh, 26 shots for United. I believe it's about 17 for Leeds. So it's very much end-to-end. -end. But going forward, how much confidence can this give us? Because we're now sitting in third in the table and we've got one game in hand, going into Christmas third, which is fantastic considering the start we had. 
But if United can't keep hold of the ball in these sort of games and close it out, then is that something negative going forward in the future? I think it's a general problem. So it's not really about today. You know, today you didn't really need to keep the ball um, en masse. You know, you needed to be able to counter-attack and United did that and scored goals. Um, it will be a problem when you play better teams. So if you play Liverpool, if you can't keep the ball, you probably lose. You know, against Manchester City, the way United countered that was by playing a high press and they did keep the ball quite well. And that was a game where they had a game plan, they executed it and everyone was incredibly upset that Manchester United drew nil-nil against a very good team like Manchester City. So the problems are still there. They don't change. It's just what Ole does week to week to fix things. So the bit that I really want to highlight today, and I think we should give him some love because we've mentioned him already, is Dan James. So there's been a lot of talk at United in the last two or three weeks that Dan James has been training really well. Now, fans are not overly interested in stuff like that. They hear those tidbits all the time. You might hear from the club website, so-and-so is doing this or the other or see photographs. But there has been a kind of word put out that Dan James has done really well. And I was not surprised to see him today. I did think as soon as I saw him on the team sheet, I thought there's going to be a lot of United fans upset about that. And certainly if United made a mess of it today, Dan James would have got it in the neck, no doubt about it. But Dan James today proved something that I said on this show a few weeks ago. And that is that if you have players in your squad, you have to use them. And if they train well, you have to reward them and say, right, I'm going to give you a start. That's what you have to do as a good manager to see that your players develop and that you help them along. Now, Dan James might not be the all-encompassing answer for Manchester United on the right-hand side or the left-hand side or whatever you want to play him. You know, he still might not be good enough for Manchester United in the long term. But today, he did his job really well. He chased everything. He made sure that when he got the ball, that his straight line speed was there. He knocked it. He played. He was part of the four going forward. He wasn't just a kind of wide player, maybe doing a defensive function. And he also allowed the fullback, whichever side he was, to be able to press up as high as he could be by coming and supporting them. Now, that's the kind of job that I think fans do underappreciate because that would have been a strategy practiced in training for maybe a week or two for this game specifically to make sure that Leeds didn't have the room to exploit United. And Dan James said, without Dan James, Leeds might have got another goal or United might have got one goal less. And then you're suddenly looking at it might be 3 all at one point and it might be game on. So Dan James did his job really well today. He was part of the collective. It is more about the team more than anything else. But when you look at his performance and you look at McTominay's performance, two of the kind of less experienced professionals in Manchester United squad, those two guys did the job today. And it's good for Ole because Ole would have seen that in training. He would say, right, I trust you guys. Please help me. Please go and do your jobs. This is this is the strategy. This is the tactics. I want to put on a masterclass, but you've got to do it for me. And that's the trust you put in players. And I think Dan James, though, is very, very close to being man of the match. I think Scott deserved it because he scored twice. But I think Dan James did all that running for, for the whole of the match. And he kept leads in just in that position on the wing. He kept them in check. He didn't give them that space to be able to play those one-twos that they play that Bielsa likes to play. Gets in behind you quickly and hurts your fullbacks. James was really, really good today in his support function and playing on the counter-attack. I 100% agree with that, Rob. When I was, when I was looking at it, I looked at selection straight away. I thought, right, he's going to be the one that's going to be running all day. I saw a few tweets um, as the game went on saying, oh, I'm not sure James has done anything. But it's what I said at the beginning. You need some players that are going to be have quality on the ball. You can't have 11 players that are going to be absolutely brilliant on the ball. You need someone that's going to go and do the work that perhaps isn't so glamorous, the work that perhaps 
doesn't get noticed. And I thought he was fantastic at that today. And for me, he was brilliant. And he offers something a little bit different. I mean, if let's say Mason had played today. I think Mason, we all know, is a better footballer. But I'm not sure he would have done the same sort of work that Dan James had done today. I don't think he would have made as many of the runs. I'm not saying Mason doesn't make runs, but I thought James was phenomenal today. I mean, that touch for his goal to take it past uh, the defender was absolutely fantastic. And it is funny because... McTominay and Dan James are two players that aren't perhaps the most the glamorous names, like you said, but they were they were fantastic today. They were really key and uh, it's really, really impressive and it's positive for United going forward that players in the squad now are playing themselves into a little bit of form. Rob, I'm gonna read out some question um some sorry, some comments here regarding Dan James. There's one here. Dan James's tracking back was excellent today. He wasn't so great going forward, but I was impressed with his overall performance. Gave us an excellent outlet on the right. Over here, another one. This was a perfect game for his style of play. Work rate was exceptional. Rob, let's move on to Martial because there's a few in the comments that were impressed with him. There's one here. He was He's giving Firmino vibes, which is an interesting comparison. He's doing everything right except scoring. That's worrying, but lots of credit for him for today's performance. Let's talk about his performance. So for me, I thought he was impressive, especially in that first half. I thought he's link-up play was very good. I thought he was holding the ball up well, bringing others into the game. Good movement. Um, he had a lot of space as well, which helped. He was dropping deep and and playing players who were making the runs going forward. But the little bit of the sort of nitpicking is there was two opportunities at least where he should be put. He should be scoring as a number nine for Man United. You should be scoring them. And I mean, United could have been sitting here having one ten two. Really, that's how many clear cut chances they created. And it's crazy. I don't. Want, I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to break down a few things which, if United can also improve, they can get better. But um, in terms of Martial, is there anything to worry you about his ch missed chances? Because this isn't the first time we're seeing that this season. No, I, I've said this week after week after week. I don't really mind players missing chances if they're there to get the chances, first and foremost. So he was there. He was part of that attack today that scored six goals. He got assists. He was very much part of the function, the overall play. Um I do think that you can be slightly critical of him, of those opportunities that he did have where you want him to just slot them in the corners where there's big opportunities. You know, one of them he made, you know, himself, he kind of cuts in on his right and you think, goal, straight away. It's just, I've just got to hit the target and it's a goal and that's that. I don't have any worries about Martial when you look at his overall returns for goals and assists. And that's what I judge a number nine on. Yeah, he's not Aguero. You know, he's not going to be that kind of number nine. But that's not the number nine that Manchester United really need. Yes, you'd love a Haaland in future or someone like that. And that might st change st stylistically what you try and do in that front four or in a different system. But as things stand, United are at their best when they flow forward together and play one touch, quick counter-attacking football from midfield into the attack from Bruno into Martial, into Rashford, into Mason when he plays. And obviously today was Dan James. If it works like a charm and you score lots of goals, and again, one of the things that people said before was United are not scoring goals from open play. Well, that kind of changed today. It doesn't matter. It's about winning games. You know, I can't keep I can't keep reiterating that. You know, for me at half time, I just want to get the three points. Get over the line. You know, you've done the entertainment factor now. You've juggled those those balls and made um United fans happy and people have gone, Oh, it's a great entertaining game of football. Great. You've ticked that box. But it's also about doing all the professional stuff. And I think that Martial did that today. You know, he did the, he did all the work as a number nine. And then, of course, I think towards the end of the game when Cavani came on, Cavani went through the middle and uh, he went towards the left-hand side. And that 
gives United balance because he's used to playing there. But today he wasn't really expected to do any defensive work either. So that suited him as well. I think if he'd played in a 4-2-3-1 against Leeds on the left-hand side, he would have got ripped to shreds on that side today because it's just not his game. He'd have got caught behind. There was twice where he picked the ball up on the halfway line. I don't know if you remember. And he just took six touches, got robbed and Leeds were away. And he both times went, oh, and it was like, what are you doing? So there'll be things like that that Ole will in the feedback after the game go, you just need to pick it and pop it and go. You don't don't mess around with it. Play it into the midfielder and get back into the number nine position. Little things like that always need tweaking. They're the things that I think he needs to learn. But, you know, you're saying now, obviously, he worked hard today. He absolutely did. You know, he worked hard. The whole team worked hard and they had to because if they didn't, Leeds were going to beat them today. I truly believe that. I think if you don't outwork Leeds, they will score lots of goals against you and yet they'll give you opportunities, but they can embarrass you and they will. They were looking forward to coming to Old Trafford. There's no doubt about it, but I'm glad that United put them right in the first two minutes. That's what they had to do. Put them in their place, make Leeds think differently. That changed Leeds' mindset a little bit. They still carried on, but it gave United control and these games are always about exerting your control on the match. Absolutely. And something Frank Lampard actually said when Chelsea won uh, 3-1 the other day against them is that you need to outwork them. If you outwork them, then you have enough quality. And that that's the thing that this Leeds side play absolutely, you know, they bust the gut every single time, but they don't really have that quality, do they, Rob? Which the, the top sides do have. So if you can outwork them <clears throat> or at least match them today, United show their quality. I felt like they just had several more gears that they could have gone. But there's a lot of questions here, Rob. I'm going to talk about the goals conceded because I think it's important we touch on them. So we had the first one, which um, which which was an interesting one. I mean, you know, United are conceding a lot of corners at the moment, and there's a lot of talk about whether the problem is zonal marking, which I don't believe is the problem. I don't think zonal marking is the issue, you know. And, and United actually, for me, they don't use a a pure zonal marking, um, you know, sort of strategy. I think there's a there's an element of zonal marking with a bit of man marking there. It's a bit of a hybrid, but United are conceding goals from corners, which is not ideal. And um, while it was a great header. It is quite frustrating. So what can United do to improve from set pieces? Well, again, like I said last week, one of the things that teams who are good at set pieces, the reason why they are good is because they will put X amount of their training time aside to go and do set pieces, both offensively and defensively. So you learn, you know about your runs, you know where you want to put the ball, whether you want to put it on the penalty spot. Are you going to put it onto the front post so you can get a flick? Are you going to go back post so you can kind of oversee the goalkeeper and beat him that way? The issue I think with Manchester United is they just don't practice it enough. And you can see it. You can see that when they make mistakes, I think especially defensively, it's normally because someone just hasn't, you know, pushed out at that time. So I think when you saw today the goal from that set piece, it comes because Fred is marking the player. And you kind of have to smell that danger straight away. So everyone has their markers. And like you said, they're partly zonal partly man-mark. That's normal. I think most Premier League teams do that now. It's not, a, you know, this hybrid or whatever you want to call it. Most teams will do that. But in that situation, if you've got someone who's really good at heading the ball up against Fred, he's probably going to win it. So United need to work that out somehow. And we've seen it with Tellers when Tellers has been in the team, that Tellers has kind of failed at corners because he's neither stick or twist. You know, he's not tall enough to kind of mark someone. And then you don't really want him kind of guarding the front post because he then has to attack it and vacate the centre. There's all sorts of problems. And it's something United do need to work on. Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the right coach to work on it? Well, no, but Jose Mourinho was. And Jose Mourinho's Manchester United also used to get done on set pieces. 
So I think there's a little bit of balance here of what what is the player's responsibility in this, you know, in those situations. Um, could McTominay have helped Fred a little bit more and sniffed that danger out and got a bit closer to the man because he was just in front? There's all these little things, again, nuances that I always say that, that matter in matches. And United get done on set pieces all the time because they're just a, a heartbeat off where you want them to be. Whereas if you watch a team who are good at set pieces... They're always well drilled. You see they make the same runs every week. The same corner comes in. They deal with it exactly the same way. And United don't. It tends to feel like it's mishmash. And that's for Ole to solve. He must know that it's a problem. But he might not want to give over the time that he's doing other stuff with the team to to just practice set pieces because it's regressive. You know, you want your team to be good at set pieces, but it's not the only thing you want them to be good at. If United were good at set pieces, but not good at counter-attacking or passing the ball or the other things that we're all talking about every week, what would we all say? We'd all get very upset about that, wouldn't we? Oh, we're good at heading the ball away from corners, but we're not very good at scoring goals. Scoring goals wins you games. United are quite good at that overall. And I think that's the way Ole looks at it. He's an attacking coach. He wants to see flair. But sometimes flair stifles function. And I think we see that with United too much. I want to see Harry Maguire as the captain take control of those situations. I want to see Lindelof take control. They're the centre-backs. And again, today, Lindelof, a couple of times, headed the ball up in the air in the middle of the box. It's like, what are you doing? Just head it away or flick it away or do something positive. Don't kind of just put your, you know, nod it up in the sky and then find that one of your midfielders has to come and help you out. Just be a little bit more clean. I think United can do that, but it's up to players to take responsibility. Yeah, I think so. I think... um... A lot of sides also do have um, set-piece coaches, Rob. I mean, you look at Liverpool, they have a throw-in coach. I know it sounds really silly, but, you know, there are these these things that you can take. I do agree with you. United shouldn't be focusing on it, but it's a repetitive issue um, for us, you know. And, and for me, the players have to take some responsibility. You know, they go out there, a lot of them are internationals, and then we've got some big lads in the box. So I don't see one player being really commanding, shouting and saying, look, go over here, go over there. I don't see that. I feel like we're passive from corners and it's something which has been affecting us but I've got a question here Rob what sort of team we are anticipating against Everton it's a viable shot at a trophy should United be going all out for I believe it's EFL Cup or is the most important thing the league and that's what we should be focused on considering we're sitting in third with the game in hand if United win this two points behind Liverpool early days I'm still not going to turn around and say we're challenging for the title definitely not we've got a tough Christmas period really we'll know by February in my opinion because that's when uh, after Christmas period and then there's a few more games and then we have a better idea but moving nicely in the right direction I think yes I, my, my opinion about the League Cup is always a very um, unpopular one and that is I don't care about the League Cup not interested in it at all if you get to the semi-finals and it's game on you're in the last four Great, let's get on with it. The League Cup should be about rotation. Get players who have not played minutes to play. So, yes, we want to see Van der Beek start that match because it's about giving him minutes. You've got to try and get through this Christmas period now where players start to get quality minutes into their legs. So if you need them, if there's an injury or you need to rotate wildly because you're playing an opponent that's doing something different, these players need to have the opportunity to play matches. So... Today we saw, obviously, um, McTominay go off injured. So McTominay's not going to feature. So United now have to solve that problem of the double pivot. That If they wanted to play Fred and McTominay for, say, the next four weeks, 
at some period, they're not going to be able to do that. So what are you going to do? Well, Matic, maybe. You might play Van der Beek there. You know, we've kind of been really down on that. You might play Pogba there. There's opportunities to do other things. But games like the League Cup is where you test and try it. And yep, you can test it, you can try it, and you can mess it up. But if you get knocked out, who cares? You know, it's not the league. Three points is always more important to me every week than anything else and any other cup competition. Three points means everything. Yes, the Champions League means something because it's a kind of, it's one of the big goals of the season. But for me, the league always takes priority. The League Cup, yes, we'd like to win it, but I think Everton will probably want to win it more than us. Now, that might sound strange, but for them, a trophy means something. For us, winning the League Cup, at the end of the season, if we win the League Cup, what do we say on this programme? We're not sat here going, oh, we won the League Cup and we're, we're yeah, we're United. No, it's not. we're not interested in the League Cup. If we win it, great. If we get to the final, yeah, we want to, we want to go out there and score goals and be at Wembley and all of those things. But it's not really what we should be focusing on. And... The Everton game is just that chance to play players, maybe younger players, two and Zabi, Mengi maybe. You know, are we going to put a load of kids in, maybe seven or eight changes and protect the squad so they're ready for the next task in the Premier League? That's how I see it going. And I think that's what Ole will do. See, there's a comment here. A trophy does make your CV look good. Arteta knows it. Yeah, but what Rob, do you mean for Arteta? Right? That's, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. to jump in there, Hader. That's, that's a right. really good point. Yeah, how many games have Arsenal just lost in the league? Seven, is it? Seven, seven out of eight, I think it is. Yeah. So it's seven out of eight or, or something around those those uh, figures. What does that trophy that they won mean to them now? Nothing. And it looks good for your CV, but CVs don't mean anything either. You know, it's not about CVs. Like If you've got 10 Champions League trophies on your CV, then that's, that's fantastic. It's cool to disagree. No problem at all. But it depends what the trophy is. And at Manchester United, there's two trophies that we're really interested in every season that's a european trophy preferably the champions league and the premier league so when you look at even the fa cup historical trophy something that we've loved winning over the years an important trophy to manchester united in terms of of our overall history but it doesn't float our boat doesn't winning the fa cup is great but look van gaal won an fa cup and got sacked the next day it's not what the club are, are interested in and it's not i don't think what fans are massively interested in it gives you a bragging right on the day you go and win a league cup you can tweet that you won the League Cup. Hooray. Does it get your football club any further to where you really want to be? Not for me. I think it's a good opportunity to rotate and get the youngsters in and blood them for the bigger tasks to come because there are bigger, bigger competitions to go and win than the League Cup. So this is where I'm probably going to disagree with you because I think when we look at this squad, it's a young squad. Now, something that Mourinho, I'm just bringing up Mourinho because he's an example because I'm going to compare Mourinho with Pochettino here someone obviously that people do know that i like but jose Mourinho walks into a club first spell at chelsea win that league cup get that first taste of success i know it's a smaller trophy but pochettino didn't do that for five years he could have won a league cup here he could have won an fa cup he disregarded it and i think when you've got a project let's say for three four five years like pochettino did getting that first taste of silverware early gets helps the players to buy into it and i think for me it's really, really important. This is a squad that United have, apart from maybe the likes of what Cavani's won a lot of trophies. Uh, Pogba's obviously won the World Cup, but not much with United. I th and obviously De Gea is the only one with Phil Jones who've won the title uh, under Sir Alex. But there's not enough winners in the squad. And I know it's a small trophy, but that taste of success and getting that monkey off your back, getting that first trophy, because we lost three semi-finals last year. So for me, I'd be going all out for at least one of the trophies. Yeah. 
I think it's an excuse. I think if you win the League Cup and people go, oh, we won the League Cup, it's a trophy. No, so who cares? The players do not care about trophies like the League Cup. If you say to Pochettino, are you happy about, you know, you didn't win the League Cup? Do you, do you regret not winning the League Cup in any of those five seasons? He's going to go, what? That's not his job. So, you know, Mourinho won that League Cup in that first year and yet yeah, felt good. But what was most important was that Manchester United went on and won the Europa League. That was the trophy that mattered because it, it put United in a position to be stronger the following season. So would That's, you rather United went for the Europa League instead this season? Well, we've got no choice because we're in it now. You know, like again, the Europa League doesn't float my boat over the, over the, the Champions League. But I, I look at it from my point of view as a fan and then I also look at it maybe as a journalist who talks to players. And players, you know, they'll, they'll say they want to win everything. Of course they do. But, you know, are they really that bothered about the League Cup? When you talk to them, not really. They're not They're not that fussed. It's a day out. I always say this. The League Cup is a day out at Wembley. It's a, you go and put your nice suit on and you go there and the FA Cup's exactly the same. And if you can win it, you, you want to win it when you're there. But where I am today in December, and I'm thinking ahead to Manchester United's League campaign, does it prick my conscience and think, oh, but this is a chance to win a trophy? Not at all. Getting in that league, in that top echelon, and challenging for the Premier League is all and everything for Manchester United. If we do not do that in the next two or three or four years, doesn't matter who the coach is, they'll get sacked. They can win the League Cup every year till then for four years, and they'll still get sacked. And fans will still not be happy. Two trophies, Haydar. That's what we should be going for. They're the things that you put all, you gamble all the eggs on. You go straight in for it. And Manchester United need to be better in those competitions. Winning the League Cup only is like putting a band-aid on a plaster, you know, a plaster on a, on a wound going, oh, well, it makes me feel better for a day. And you kind of brag on Twitter to Arsenal fans that you've won a trophy like they did this season. It doesn't mean anything. You've just lost six out of seven in the, prem, in the Premier League. You're in trouble. Your manager might get sacked. So we don't want to be that club. You know, that's not who we are, you know. So if, if we want to be that club, let's do it. Let's kind of cross swords with the Tottenham's and the Arsenal's and say, yeah, we want to we wanna win a league cup and, and, you know, shove it in your face. We don't care about that. We care about the Premier League. While Liverpool winning that big trophy, we need to chase that trophy. That's our priority. Catching Liverpool, catching Manchester City and the rest can go to hell. It's about forming a football club that can compete at the very, very top. If we win the League Cup, I'm not going to throw it in the bin, but it's also not going to motivate me to get out of bed. Sorry. No, I do I do agree with that. Obviously, the Premier League is a priority, but for me... And it's hard you know, to games in a season, isn't it? Like, we have to yeah that all of these competitions add up at the end of the day. So if you do 70 games and you win the League Cup, and that's great, but that hurts you going up even one place in the Premier League, it might be the difference between coming fifth and fourth. Now, fourth, you don't get a trophy. But fourth does mean more in the modern game because it means you're in the Champions League the following year. It means you're where you want to be. So yeah. coming fourth, no one celebrates it. But United coming third was an achievement because at one stage it looked like they'd come seventh or eighth. So they actually did well to kind of catch up on that. If they'd won the League Cup last year or the FA Cup, it's a day out. We would have gone, that was great, fantastic. No one would have been sat here now in retrospect saying wasn't that a fantastic moment for Manchester United. It would have been forgotten already. Jesse Lingard won two FA Cups for Man United, didn't he, as the goal scorer? Is one he... FA Cup, one League Cup. Well, he scored in both games, didn't he, at Wembley? Yeah, he did, yeah. He remembers it. No one pats him on the back and says, thanks for those Cups, Jesse. They don't. So this is the way it is in, in reality with, uh, with the modern game, unfortunately. I think in the past, those Cups meant more than they do now. But being in the Champions League, that has to be the first priority. 
winning the Premier League, that is the, that's the big priority. 70 games a season, it's really difficult to navigate. Got a question here, uh, sorry, a comment here, Rob, sort of uh, talking about the squad depth. So uh, we do have the squad for it, Rob. Five changes in two consecutive games. Don't go all out for a win with Bruno Rashford, Harry not getting a rest, but Donny and Pogba and Axel can come in and win it. That's a great point. Pogba didn't even come on. We didn't see Axel Tunzebi. Van der Beek got 20 minutes. United do have the squad, though, don't they? To be able to play a strong side still against Everton midweek and then for the weekend fixture we can still play our strongest side well, why can't united it. decide to go for still still um go for the league cup but also the league's obviously priority because we are doing quite well and we're we've got good form and um you know anything can happen really but that's not the question is it the question was going back was you know do you is it a priority is, is this what united should be going for and the answer of that is no united have got a deep enough squad now to rotate and have a decent team to play everton do I want Paul Pogba to play in that game after the injuries that he's had? No. Will he play in that game? Probably. Yes. You know, so Dean Henderson, Dean Henderson got a game the other day. Will he play in that game? Yes. Will Will you see Van der Beek play in that game? Almost definitely 100% yes. So there's going to be good players playing for Manchester United that day. My point is, is that you play those players to get minutes into their legs for the bigger competitions. That's why you're playing them. You're not playing them just because you're you're hot on the League Cup. Yeah, you're not playing in the FA Cup when it comes around in January just because you're you're hot on the FA Cup. You're doing it because you must rotate to get fitness into your players who are not getting games in the Premier League because you might need them in the Premier League very, very soon. If there's an injury, Scott McTominay gets injured, you're then having to consider different formation, different tactics. And then Ole's having to put his little masterclass together slightly differently. And he's going, oh, I've not played this player at all. And in the League Cup, I played my best team at Everton because I wanted to win. And then I got three injuries in that match. And now I can't win the next game in the Premier League because I'm bringing back Jesse Lingard into my starting eleven or something like that. That's the balancing act that all managers have to kind of find their way around. I think Everton will play a stronger team than United. Um, but I also think United team will be good enough to win the game. But I don't think Bruno Fernandes plays. I think Marcus maybe gets a night off. I think... You yeah, know, deserve. You, 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 Mason will probably start because he needs minutes. So these are not kind of difficult decisions because the fitness report will tell Ole who needs minutes and that will pick the team. Um, Ole might want to see one or two players in certain different roles and positions, but that's the risk you take in the League Cup by potentially losing the tie because you do little changes that, that are just experimental. And fans, again, want to see United win every match 10-0. We know this. And if United lost to Everton in the League Cup, it would be the worst thing in the world on Twitter and people would get very upset. But that's not how the football club operates. That's not the ultimate goal. Yet, we can beat Everton with our second team. I looked at the bench today. Obviously, it was nine on the bench today because of the new changes. I looked at the nine and I thought, that nine's all right. Whereas nine a year ago, we would have been going... Four of them, not even a year ago, Rob. Yeah. Just the end, back in the last season in the Sevilla game, I looked at the bench and thought, What can Oli do to change it? And that was why it was important for United to go and buy five players in the off season rather than one player in Jaden Sancho. So, even though we all wanted Sancho, and I've repeated that before, it was important that there was some depth there. So, what might we see? We might see Palestri start against Everton. Would we all like that? I'm sure we would. Is it the right time to play him? Probably not. Is he ready? Because he's done well in the under-23s. But is he ready to play a team as good as Everton? Give him a chance. 
put some minutes in this leg, give him 60 minutes, you know, make him a starter. Let's see what he can do. He might surprise us in the same way that Marcus did when Louis van Gaal did that for him. And he came in, I think he scored four games running or something like that, straight off from being a, a kid from the reserves. So I'm all for that. I like to see changes that are a bit more experimental, but it's more about getting the fitness ready, getting these lads ready if we do need them in the weeks ahead. Christmas is punishing, yeah? Worst time of year. You've got to rotate when you don't want to rotate. And you need players ready. And with no preseason, it does complicate it again. Further down the line, we need to get these minutes in people's legs. Absolutely. And there's a great comment here. It's so different seeing Donny van der Beek and Cavani coming off the bench compared mm. to Lingard, Pereira, and even Igalo, who, who will be often uh, during Christmas, Rob. Got a question over here aimed at both of us. Obviously, we don't want to get too carried away. Uh, consistency is important. We're not going to turn around here, Rob and say, oh, yeah, United are going to win the league. There's so much football to play. But something that I was thinking about the other day is that in the past, and this for me was kind of a light bulb moment. Over the last seven years, we've always been like, well, I have, me personally. I know you don't really think like this, but myself personally, I was saying, oh, God, we're going to have to see. Let's hope someone else stops Liverpool winning the league. But United need to take this into their own hands. We need to stop being a side that goes, oh, we hope, hope that Leicester are going to do it. No, we need to do it. So for me, I, I agree with this comment here saying is this United's best chance to win the title since Oli looked so much football to play but United have got more depth in their squad they can blow teams away defensively there's still a few issues but Oli's starting to get get some momentum now why why shouldn't it be United's best opportunity to to win the title or at least challenge because for me I think we're about, we're probably about a year too early to be challenging or talking about challenging but with the way that the season's gone with COVID and with the condensed season and the condensed uh, scheduling, anything can happen really this season. Anything can happen and anything will happen this season. You know, teams are going to lose matches that people don't expect them to lose. This is absolutely United's best chance of winning the league since Fergie left. No doubt about it. Does that mean that Manchester United are title contenders? For me, absolutely not. They're not good enough. They're not good enough in defence. They don't pass the ball well enough. They don't keep possession well enough. Some teams will exploit that. Other teams will allow United to play their game and play on the counter-attack. And United will go out some weeks and stuff sides 4-5-6-0 and look like world beaters. But, you know, I think the, the litmus test for me was those two Champions League games because that's where you prove that you can bore your way to a result, yeah? And I know I'm high on this. Everyone goes, oh, why are you bothered about being boring? It's like, well, I, I would like to win 6-0 every week. but I Discipline, I, discipline, discipline. You, you have to, first of all, be able to do the basics, yeah? If you can't pass a ball in football, then what are you doing? You know, it's, it's the wrong, you're in the wrong sport, surely. So United do struggle with those parts of the game and they do need to improve. And if United become the kind of team that hemorrhage possession in a way that have in, say, the last six months, then I don't see Ole staying in the job very long. However, if Ole fixes that, and it is fixable, you go on a training ground, you get the balls on the ground, you do drills, you work with it, you see he's doing it well, you take one person to one side, you work with them on one-to-ones, you do all of that stuff. That's how you coach a team into becoming a better unit. So I do believe that Ole can do that. I have faith that he is a coach who has certain acumen that he can do these things that people say he can't do them. But the proof is in the pudding. So it's up to United to be able to prove that they can keep the ball. If you can keep the ball and do what Liverpool do, and you can keep the ball and do what City do, then you can become title challengers. And it might be the season. Like, look at Liverpool. They won 7-1 yesterday. Yeah, was it 7-0? 7-0, wasn't it? Yeah, I watched that game from beginning to finish. Liverpool weren't very good. 
They were okay. No, they, could, they could have been two or three down. They, I mean, they, they were. That was they, terrible in front of goal. They are really. at their optimum of what they can be, meaning that they can play average and score seven. That's what United used to be years ago. United could have a game where they didn't play that well. Remember when we beat, um, to, talking of Arsenal again, sorry to bring them up, but we beat them 8-2, you know, with Cleverly and Anderson in mid midfield. That was a bad United team. It wasn't particularly great. You know, we yeah. beat them 8-2. So, you know, it, United were at the ceiling there of where a kind of team who can put an average performance out can just score lots of goals. You could look at today and say, well, United scored six and maybe in... I don't know, two years ago, United might have drawn this game 3 all or 4 all or something like that. You know, it's hypothetical, but there is some kind of method to the madness. And I, and I do think United is just fixing those things, the real basics. But, you know, can you fix the centre-backs being slowed? And then, no, you can't. So you have to go and buy someone who's quicker or say to Two and Zabi, it's time to start playing. You know, Two and Zabi doesn't play against Everton, and that's a sign of something, isn't it? It means the manager doesn't trust him or something like that if he's fit. So they're the kind of little changes that will make United bona fide title contenders. We might have to wait another couple of transfer winners. I'm with you. might take another year to kind of get to where we want to be as an optimum as a football club. But I think we are getting closer. I'm, I'm much more, you know, there's more buoyancy about my opinion about Manchester United in general than maybe there was 12 months ago and certainly two or three years ago where it was probably at its record low. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a comment here. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I think that's probably the best, <laughs> best, best of you to have. As Rob, you always say, and there's another one here. Um, I know we we got a big win, but it's important we stay grounded. Rob's comments are perfectly valid. Makes sense. As you always say, I've, been, I've stolen your uh, your little catchphrase. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. I've seen a lot of the listeners do that as well when I'll they're on Twitter. Of that and we'll give it yeah. away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Make a little bit of merch from it. But um, no, for me, I just think that. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoy I've enjoyed the last two or three weeks. You know, I can be a bit, little bit low sometimes, but I am enjoying it. And I enjoyed today. What I was concerned about today was right. Same issue. Second half United easily because Leeds created a lot of chances. And there are a few times where you're thinking, Oh, you know, are United going to let this go? But what I liked is that we carried on with the front foot. But the problem is that when we want to control games, and this is why I'm saying a year, year later, probably is when we'll be able to say we can challenge properties because we can't control games. So, the way that we control games is by, right, okay, all out attack, we score more. Mm. And that shouldn't be the case. We should be able to have someone sit there in the middle of the park saying, right, I'm going to get my foot on the ball. I'm going to take the pace out of the game. I'm going to control it. So I think that's probably where I'm sitting. But in terms of competing, I think that if we just keep on winning and focus on ourselves, not many teams are going to want to play us in this sort of form. Teams will know that we've got a lot of good attacking talent. I think the real litmus test is actually when we play Liverpool, I believe, on the 17th of January that for me is the real sign and then we'll know where our progress is but um, apart from that I just think that United should just focus on each game as it comes yeah. huge Christmas period because we've seen in years gone by United have gone into Christmas either in decent form even last season in fact we had a terrible Christmas period Oli looked like he was on the chopping block Bruno came in as well and obviously history the rest of it is history but um, this is where United need to show that they can grind out those results and take the step to the next level yeah, and it's not about being good every week. You know, this is a kind of misconception. It's about being consistent and knowing that you can kind of win games by doing the minimum, you know, and the minimum generally is keeping the ball, closing down certain parts of the game and then just exploiting the bits that you do well. Now, some people might say that's very Mourinho-esque, 
But that's not what I'm talking about. It's not about having a stylistic function that maybe makes you boring but lets you win 1-0 every week because eventually you come a cropper. It's about having balance. So I think with Manchester United, we talked about litmus tests there and we talked about PSG and we talked about Leipzig and Liverpool to come. But for me, what we saw against Manchester City proved that this Manchester United team can get a game plan, can consume it, can chew it up and spit it out and do it. And that's not something we've seen over two or three or four years, even during, you know, good campaigns. So talking about winning the Europa League under Jose, you know, great achievement. Everyone's dead happy. We've won the Europa League. It's a it's a trophy we hadn't won before. But does it take your team forward? Well, the following year, United came second in the league. So it kind of helped United re-establish some consistency there. But it didn't allow them to take the stylistic step that we expect at Manchester United, which is winning games and scoring goals. So today, yeah, United conceded a couple of goals and scored six. That's all right. You can accept that. That's okay on a on a kind of singular week basis of saying, right, you know, how do we go and navigate this game to win a match? But there's going to be plenty of games in the season where you're at Burnley and Burnley just squash you and they don't let you do anything. They don't let you counter. And they're saying, right, we'll take nil-nil, but we're going to maybe get you at a corner because we know you're rubbish at corners and we're going to do you. And United have to be ready for that challenge as well. So they have to be practised and ready that that Maguire has to run that line and make sure that his centre-backs, well, you know, him and the centre-back together, whoever he's playing with, and both full-backs are tight and tucking in and looking after De Gea or, or Henderson or whoever's playing in goal. Those things we haven't seen, that's the next step for United. We play Liverpool, we draw a nil-nil with them and it's the worst game on earth. I'm fine with it. It doesn't have yeah, to so be, it doesn't have to be, you know, please entertain Rob this week. You know, that's why I always look at it. It's not a personal thing. A football match isn't a personal thing to a fan. You know, you've got to look at it and say, right, as a sport, what does my team have to do this week to keep going, to keep surviving, to keep progressing? If you get a nil-nil draw at Liverpool, at Anfield, or even, you know, two results against them and take two points off them in the season, that's good. That's progress, especially for this Manchester United team. And then eventually you can catch them. Like we said at the start of the show, that's the ultimate goal is that Manchester United take the challenge, take the baton and run forward and get closer to these two football clubs that have gone ahead of us simply because of Manchester United's inept way of running their own recruitment, which is down to the Glazers and to Edward Wood. Yeah, and we could talk about that forever, Rob. We spent all summer, didn't we? We did multiple podcasts. Uh, guys, check that out if you want to see our views on the Glazers. Rob gave some fantastic insights. So that's, they, that was about August, September time. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Rob, final word. We're going into Christmas. Positive. We're in third place with a game in hand. It's so funny how quickly the table can change. Tottenham have lost two in a row, and they're now dropped to about sixth or seventh. We're ahead of them now, and, we, and people are talking about Tottenham being title challengers. And you're having a look at also at Chelsea, who are title challengers, supposedly, and they've lost a couple of games. So positive going into Christmas. I'm really happy with what we saw today. I'm happy to see the likes of Dan James and McTominay put in fantastic performances. I'm really pleased, especially for Dan James, because he's someone who's copped a lot of criticism and uh, a lot of it's been unfair. You know, constructive is fine, but he's had a lot of abuse. But what are your final words and what is your view sort of going on throughout the Christmas period. I'll reiterate what I said a few weeks ago about the league table. Don't bother looking at it. Doesn't mean anything. The league table is not a really good indicator of form. It will show short-term bursts. So if you get a team that wins two or three or four on the bounce, suddenly you're, you've gone from 12 and you're in the champions league. What does that mean? Nothing. That's the truth. It doesn't mean anything. 
it's about trying to continue have a continuation of your form over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I always say that Christmas really does sorts out the kind of men from the boys. Yeah, it's a, who is really serious about being in that top four. So as you just said today, we saw Tottenham Hotspur, who are a very good team this year, lose at home against Leicester, who are also a good team. And people wouldn't have predicted that before the game. Harry Kane, my fancy league captain, you're out my team, Harry. Sorry, you know, that's that now. We've, we're finished. I need to talk to you later on. Oh, I'm going to whisper, but I, uh, I also had Mo Salah. So yeah, I heard I about want... that. I don't want to hear that either. So that's okay. So turn <laughs> your mic off. That's fine. But uh, what, what I say to is this, is that week to week to week, you're going to get performances that kind of fluctuate. So United scored six this week. It doesn't mean that United are going to score six every week, obviously, but it does mean that United are going in the right direction. So Liverpool, top of the table. And that's where they want to be. You know, as a football club, that's the third season in a row that they've been top at Christmas. And that's a kind of, and again, another tick box ticked. But, you know, you could talk about the other teams around us. I think all you can try and do is think about yourself. What is Manchester United doing as a football club, as a team on the pitch? Are these players playing for their manager? Tick. I think they are, yes. Has this team improved over a year period? Tick, yes. Do they still make mistakes? Yes, obviously they still do. Are Manchester United more of a threat to the Premier League title today than they have been over many, many years of, of, of talking about title challenges that never came about? I think so, yes. So there are positives. And I think United have to buy into this, United fans, because the players are still not there for me. You know, they're not the players that are going to win a league title. But you might find that seven or eight of this squad are the core of a title-winning team. More the defence, I would say, Rob. You know, the, some of the attacking talent's brilliant, but I think the defence is quite clear that that centre-back pairing isn't going to win you a title. Yeah. Uh, possibly right back, possibly, but... And defensive midfielder as well. But, you know, you're looking at some of the forward players. They're they're still very young. Martial Rashford Greenwood is a very young front three. Van der Beek's yeah. 23 as well. I didn't realise how young he was. I mean, I'm older than him. I'm feeling, feeling a little bit old, but, you know, these there's some really good young talent. So... There's, they're not anywhere near hitting their prime yet. Of course, they're nowhere near the prime, and people have to understand that because I think this is where people get upset about things, thinking that they're they're the finished article and that they should be just winning every week. Of course, you expect victories, but at the same time, you know you've got to be patient with with young kids or kids who play, players who are in their early twenties who might seem like they're developed, but actually are just not at the moment. Long term, I think United are going to turn into this. It's going to be the post Paul Pogba era. When Paul Pog believes at whatever point that is, whether it be January, next summer, or he signs a new contract and it's another two or three years, it's what does Manchester United do after Paul Pogba? And a lot of the planning is around that because as we're talking about, we haven't got a ball player. So you have to go and buy a ball player, whether that be this January, next summer, or whenever. And that's when I think United will either become the team that kicks on and becomes a genuine title challenger every year. And then we're looking at the League Cup again as that trophy that it should be and going, we don't care about the League Cup because we win the title every year. But if we win the League Cup, we're happy with that. But that's how Man City are. They win the League Cup and then they chuck it in the bin and finish it. And they're not interested. It's because they can rotate their team. That's why they use the League Cup for that. So that's where I'd like to see United be. Is it? Are we in a positive place? Absolutely. I think we are. But as we all know, you lose one game or lose two games. Christmas is a funny time because you can lose two or three games very, very quickly. I'm happier being in Manchester United's position than I would be, say, 
Arsenal's position. They keep coming up this week for some reason because that is a problem when you've lost six or seven. That is a real slump in form where you've then got to try and find the players to to kind of get you out of that when they're maybe as low as they could be. Um, but United's players should be happy. You know, I think the chemistry is there and it just feels good. You know, I look at the team. I don't feel that there's any needle or anything like that. So, you know, it should be a good Christmas period. I agree. Guys, have a lovely Christmas. Thank you so much for all your support. Myself and Rob, we're absolutely blown away, aren't we, Rob? The support has been incredible from every single corner of the world. We've had some fantastic comments. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Rob, have you got any last words to say? No, just Merry Christmas to everyone and have a safe one out there. Obviously, when you guidelines in the UK, everyone's had their plans scuppered, but we'll get past all of that and we'll be in a new year soon. And hopefully United can keep us smiling. You know, there's been some good performances and uh, I think Ferrola, he deserves a chance now. Let's just see what happens to the end of the season. Do we get Pochettino? Do we not get Pochettino? Let's leave that to Santa Claus. <laughs> We're both in tier four, aren't we, Rob? So, uh, yeah, a bit of tier more three. Than I'm in tier three, but tier three. Know, I just imagine I'm it's tier four. four. That's how I how I live my life. It yeah, just that's like tier four, doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Guys, thank you very much. Have an absolutely lovely Christmas. This is a masterclass, the number one Manchester United tactical podcast brought to you by Manscaped. And we'll see you on the 26th for Boxing Day Football. Have a lovely Christmas and we'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.